Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. Before we start, Eugenia Banks with the Ontario Potato Board is bringing her annual training day online to ensure scouts and growers are prepared for the upcoming season. Potatoes in Canada is hosting the three-part scouting series on diseases, insects, and physiological disorders on May 21st and May 28th. Visit potatoesincanada.com webinars to sign up. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tuber Talk. I'm Stephanie Gordon, your host and the editor of Potatoes in Canada magazine. In early March, I went to the Ontario Potato Conference and heard Peter Vanderzag speak about the local and global trends in potato breeding research. I caught up with him after his presentation to ask about his experiences around the world and what it means for potato growers. Well, my name is Peter Vanderzeg, and I'm a scientist and a farmer. And how did you get started in potatoes? It's my, I think it's in my DNA. My parents and my grandparents and all grew potatoes. So since I was a little boy, as you saw in the picture, I was harvesting potatoes. And where is that operation based? It's in Alliston, Ontario, about an hour's drive north of Toronto. And how do you think potato and the potato industry have changed since you kind of got started in it to where it is today. Well, I've worked in 60 countries on this planet, and I've traveled and worked in all the continents except for Antarctica. And I've seen potato blossom, expand, and grow exponentially, and especially in Africa and Asia. And it has become a staple food for many, many people, and it is really a lifeline for all those people. Mm-hmm. And in your presentation, you talk about Russet Burbank being the, you know, the most dominant variety in North America, but it hasn't really changed much over the years. Why do you think that is? Well, one, it's a good variety, and two, it's because of the processing industry and McDonald's and its competitors who demand the same quality year in, year out, decade in, decade out. Mm-hmm. And in the work that you do, can you explain a bit more about what are you doing in terms of looking at new varieties? Are you just testing how to better produce the varieties we already have? Explain a bit more about what, what it is you do in your current role. Well, I have, I'm a private breeder as well, working with tetraploid potatoes here in Canada. But in China, I work with the university, where we're trying to now change the whole way we do breeding of potato to move from the tetraploid level back to the diploid level, which is two alleles for every trait, and that's what is common in Peru, what's widely grown in Peru, but the rest of the world has forgotten about it. And we were trying to reintroduce the diploid potato as the way to grow potatoes, because with diploid potatoes you can easily transfer genes and transfer information through traditional breeding processes that help you improve resistance to diseases and give you higher yields as well. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean, if you're not coming from a science background, what does that mean in layman's terms? Well. Human beings, you and I, we have two alleles for every trait, and we have 23 chromosomes. So our numbers are 2n equal to 46. Potato is 4n equal to 48. 
So we're more than a thousand times more complicated to breed potatoes than to breed human beings. So we're going now to 2n equal to 24, which is similar to, to, to human beings and similar to what we do with corn. Corn has been the revolutionary crop over the last 50 years through this new strategy of using diploid breeding of, and in crossing wild, widely related parents, giving you the great improvement in yield in the next in the offspring. So we're doing that for potatoes in the same way now, starting this in China, in the Netherlands, and a little bit here in North America. So basically you're breeding potato hybrids. Potato hybrids that are, sim that are much simpler and not too complex genetically, but we know now all the traits on the 12 chromosomes, and we can then target what we want to transmit to the offspring. Mm -hmm. And you talked about your international experience. You've had the opportunity to work in a lot of different countries. What is it like working in potato breeding in these different areas? Do you see differences? Do you have highlights? Well, I've worked in Africa. I lived, worked in Africa and in Asia. And I think, long story short, the China model has been amazing because the government has done an amazing job. I've worked in China for 35 years. And to see what's happened there over the past 35 years, how they've developed their country, and how they are dedicated to doing good research, both for the short term and for the long term. And that's why they've invited me back, now as a sort of a part-time professor, just to help all the young people understand potatoes and what I can also bridge the gap with people like Henry de Jong, who I talked about this afternoon, and others around the world to bring them there to help feed these young guys and women to get them enthusiastically doing their job. And do you find that the enthusiasm and support is uh, similar in other potato industries around the world? No. No, I would say that China is very unique. I would say there are certain spots in Africa too, in Kenya, in Ethiopia especially, Rwanda, all countries where I've worked, also quite enthusiastic. In India also is amazing. Bangladesh to a certain extent as well. But that's where it's, the, the business is booming and growing because of the food security issues that the people are facing. Mm -hmm. And how does Canada stack up? How does their potato industry stack up? Well, Canada is very lucky, and Canada is lucky for two reasons. One is we are living on the coattails of our past. The breeders of the past developed products like Shepardy and Yukon Gold, which are still being used today after 30, 40, 50 years. And Russet Burbank, which is from 120 years ago. And we're lucky to live next to the United States, like you saw at our conference today. Our speakers are from the United States, very knowledgeable people yeah, who share Maine. with us Maine and Minnesota, Manitoba, they all help us. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot to be learned from other people's experiences. So what do you think the Canadian growers can learn from more international potato growers? And what's something that you feel international growers can learn from Canadian potato growers? Well, that's a hard question. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think uh, any farmer who visits another farmer always learn something new. And it's just so amazing, even if the farmer will say, I have nothing to show you, just by visiting your farm, in case my farm, I have visitors together to my farm from all over the world, and they're amazed how I, later on they still talk about what they learned on my farm, which I thought was nothing new. But for them it was new. Do you have an example of something that they figured was new that you didn't think was that special? Well, for example, the whole idea of using cover crops. So after we harvest our wheat, we put a cover crop of rye. That cover crop remains there all, and we make, we make the, the rich for the next year's potato crop already. That, is, that cover crop grows all fall into the winter, into the spring, it dies, 
and then we plant into that cover crop. Now the Chinese are doing the very same thing. They've seen how this works for soil protection, soil conservation, for tropical soil erosion, and they've seen it on our farm. Mm -hmm. Just an example. And you made a comment here at the conference today that you had a lot of optimism around potatoes and what's being done in genetics, especially in terms of food security, growing enough potatoes to feed the world. What did you mean by that? And I guess what are, what are the potential innovations we're seeing in potato? And well, I think that what, what I'm trying to say is that potato is already a very efficient use of sunlight, carbon dioxide, water, and land to produce a lot of food. Now, if we can do the genetic improvement that I'm talking about to have a breakthrough in genetics, we can even do much better. And potato is probably the most efficient crop to convert sunlight and water and CO2 into food, more so than rice or wheat or any other crop. So I think it has a great role to play. And even with climate change, the way we talk about it, potato can adapt to all those different conditions. Mm -hmm. And by chance, did you ever read the book called The Martian? I have not, sorry. So it's a book, it's a science fiction book by Andy Weir, and the main character is an astronaut who goes to Mars oh, and he okay. gets stranded over there, yeah, yeah. and one of the first things he grows is potatoes. Right. Okay, I know about that. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't recognize the title. And also what we've done, um, I shouldn't say we, uh, one of my good friends worked in, uh, uh, in Arizona at, the, at a dome, which actually in reality imitates Mars, and they've grown potatoes there in different ways with, by growing it through an elevated process of different media and to have food all the time from the same plants growing in the same very small area. So this is being done, this has been experimented with and it will happen, I'm sure. Yeah. And when you say different media, do you mean not soil? Not soil, yes. In fact, most of it will be done without soil at all through what we call aeroponics. Mm -hmm. You just simply spray nutrient on the, on the roots and the roots will take it up and produce tubers, and those tubers you can eat and harvest as you need them. And the plant will keep producing more tubers. And if you keep the plant in a certain stage, it'll keep being vegetative and produce tubers at the same time. So you can do it indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And where is this research being done? Well, it's being done, primarily we're doing it in China, but there's also small pockets being done in Canada and the United States. Mm -hmm. And in Peru, at, at the SIP headquarters in Peru. Interesting, aeroponic potato production. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, no, so and, and then you have no, the nutrients are all used, nothing's leached away, nothing's recycled, it's all recycled. It's all kept within the system, closed system. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting, especially given that farmers do get a lot of flack for nutrient runoff and I guess exactly. their use of chemicals. Yeah. And the tubers are clean, they're no dirt, not, it's just, you can just simply eat them raw or you can cook them and eat them. Very wow. simple. So. Thinking back to your presentation today, if there could be one key takeaway that you would want growers to take from your presentation, what would it be? I think, to me, I talked about soil, soil conservation, I talked about the CO2 increasing, I talked about you know, the greening of our planet, which is all good things. And we're stuck now in a certain plateau level for productivity. But I think we need to look at our children, in case my, I'm an older guy, my children and grandchildren will benefit from this revolution in how we do potato breeding and its use. Mm -hmm. So let's go on that. The next generation of potato growers, especially given the current climate for the agricultural industry, for the potato industry, uh, what advice would you give for the incoming generation of potato growers? What's something that they should be keeping, in, keeping an eye on or learning more about? Well, I think the way we have the, the global information is all at your fingertips through your phone or whatever electronic device you may have. 
And so keep learning and reading and think outside the traditional box. Because what I'm doing is basically outside the traditional box. It's radical. Some people say I'm crazy. No, it's the only way forward. That I, not, it's one of, I shouldn't say the only way. It's, it's a way forward that I see as a great opportunity. There are probably others as well. I'm talking about aeroponics. Again, yeah. another revolution. Nice. So uh, I want to wrap this up, and I want to wrap it up with a fun question. What is your favorite way to eat potatoes? Oh, I'm very boring. I eat, I eat Yukon Golds after baking them in the microwave <laughs> with, with sour cream and butter. Nice. Well, you know, simple yet effective. That's yeah, very good. Yeah. Whereas in China, we eat potatoes in so many different ways, but generally with spices and also very delicious. Do you have an example of maybe one way that they cook it in China that you haven't seen in North America? Well, they have potato, they call it potato spaghetti. Potatoes that are, that are sort of look like spaghetti that they just fry and then they put some chili peppers with it and some tomatoes and some sauce and it's delicious. Nice. They, have, they have over 600 published recipes for potatoes in China. And you also did some work in South Africa. Do they eat potatoes different there? Potatoes there is more, more traditional, it's the, more like here. I would say table potatoes are boiled, and then they have french fries, they have chips, and boiling is, they're, they're, here the fresh consumption is maybe 30% of the total consumption, there it's probably 70 or 80%, so it's very important. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me. My pleasure, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying the show so far, subscribe to stay updated for when we release another episode, and please leave us a review to help others find the show. You can also reach out to us online through Twitter at Potatoes Canada or by going to potatoesincanada.com contact. We'd love to hear from you on what you'd like to listen to on future episodes, so let us know. Before we end, please remember that if you want a refresher on potato diseases, insects, and physiological disorders, Sign up for the webinar series happening on May 21st and 28th with potato specialist Eugenia Banks at potatoesincanada.com slash webinars. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcasts.